Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined late this evening for me with by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm I'm good, Dave, but you kind of blew our cover. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna put this up tomorrow morning, right? Yeah, but I, I, I have to imagine people don't think we're recording this at like four in the morning Pacific time. Surely. I I mean, I think they feel that we did it right pretty much at that exact moment. It's a beautiful thing if they think that, our our beautiful, innocent bros. We actually recorded this a year ago, but we're clairvoyant. (laughs) Yeah, we're very prescient. We don't give it off in any of our, like, season previews or anything, but we are deeply prescient. I I mean, we're genius for knowing everything that's going to happen. But disguising it so well. I'm predicting that... UCLA fire Steve Alford. They're going to hire Mick Cronin. I know a lot of you will say since any coach, what? And he's going to win his first game at UCLA against Long Beach State. I think it's going to be a crazier one. I think as soon as Mick Cronin gets hired, his former AD from Cincinnati is going to take a job across town. Wow. I know. Wow. That's really a shot in the dark. I know. You're, 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 you are prescient. I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have a lot to talk about um, in our in our in our evening broadcast today. Um, a lot of football recruiting news here in the bye week. A lot of good outcomes coming for uh, UCLA in that regard in football. Uh, the basketball team uh, tipped off their first game. Tipped off their first game. That doesn't sound right. They tipped off the season yesterday against Long Beach that, State. That sounds right to me. Yeah, it's, it's just, okay. Just keep saying it and it'll sound better. Yeah, tipped off. Tipped off. Um, and uh, and we want to talk about uh, some potential football outcomes. So um, where do you want to begin? You want to begin with recruiting? Yeah, yeah. Because they just got that commitment. Well, last night they got that commitment from Miles Jackson. Is, and, it, is it fun to say that, Miles Jackson? No, it, it trips me up every time. <laughs> Doesn't it trip you up? Hello? Oh, totally, totally. Same and whenever way. I see his name, I'm like, that's it just. It's not. It's. I wish he would like do it as like J A X O N or something, just so it doesn't like screw me up visually as much. Yeah, just. I'm sure he'd be willing to do that for you. If he would, I mean, I, it would really like boost my impression of him just generally. Speaking of which, a little side note: Have you seen how effectively? UCLA is recruiting the state of Georgia. I, I'm not going to say that I am personally on the ground acting as a surrogate for UCLA football, but I'm not here to deny it. What are Dave? Seriously, are you are, are you like baking brownies and leaving it at their doorstep? Are you violating NCAA rules I mean, with you brownies? Know, you know how much how good of a baker I am. Oh yeah! Wow, I, I remember. No, I don't remember at all. <laughs> Yeah, because I've never baked a thing in my life. But okay. if I did, I would certainly be doing that, dropping it off at the doorstep, because they've gotten a commitment from Miles Jackson and also another name that trips me up every time. How are we pronouncing this one? Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, oh, this is really bad of us. This is really unprofessional of us. Um, Steve Wilfong, the director of recruiting for uh, 24-7 Sports, pronounced it there we i uh published that video of him talking about uh the commitments that chip kelly has gotten and he pronounced it 
on that video. Do you want me to talk for like that? No, you'd have to watch that. No, ad. no, 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 okay. no. It's more fun to it's guess. It's not. It's not show. It's not show. It's like Coey. No, it's a it's a well known. Oh damn, this is really bad. It's a it's it's just a weird spelling of a common name. If I remember, that's what it kind of registered in my mind. Okay, because every time I see it, it I, I think Chloe, and that's that you know, because it looks like Chloe without the L. That's that's where yeah. I run into. Uh, yeah, that's that's not it. You know what? Just let's keep talking. I'm going to play this video. <laughs> I think it's more fun to guess. But yes, okay, so they've gotten uh, now two commitments from linebackers from Georgia um, in Miles Jackson and uh, this player to be named later uh, that Tracy's now not at all trying to figure out how his name is pronounced. And um, a local linebacker, Jonathan Vaughns. Um, so suddenly linebacker recruiting is good, I would say. Or and this is like factoring in that they've already gotten, um, you know, Caleb Johnson in the mix. Um, so there's there's real signs that linebacker recruiting, which we were seeing, is like a major weakness as of I don't know a week and a half ago, um, suddenly looks like one of the areas where they're strongest this cycle. So that's that's good. Tracy's still trying to find that video. Just give me about eight seconds. Eight seconds. That's all I'm giving you. Um, so, yeah, that's all very good. Um, and getting the recommitment from Miles Jackson is obviously um, really interesting. You know, you rarely see that where a guy decommits from a school and then, you know, two months later decides, okay, yeah, I'm back in. Um, especially after they get increased interest uh, after their decommitment, which I think is what happened with Miles. So um, that's obviously a sign that uh, the official visits <laughs> are probably quite a bit better than they used to be uh, under Chip Kelly. He just said it. Hold on. Shay. 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 Okay. Okay. That's better than Coey. Shay. Okay. Shea. Yeah, that's a really that's an interesting spelling. I like it. I want. I mean, we're putting a lot of credibility into Steve Wilfong. He should know, though. I mean, right. He should know more than we. we're just West Coast slappies. We know nothing. Well, I'm I, I'm I'm a oh, I, no, I've, but you are. Here, I've no. I've delivered him brownies. I should know his. <laughs> I should know how to pronounce his name. So, um, all of these guys between Miles Jackson, Shay Bryant Strother, uh, there are a couple other Georgia guys too that they're on are all within like a half an hour drive of you, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Okay, that's. Uh, I think it's something the NCAA should look into. Personally, just, I, I think it's I, a look. I, I'm, I'm not actively recruiting them, but you know what? If if kids, if I just randomly run into them, say at their school when I go visit <laughs> their school, and I say, "Hey, have you thought about UCLA?" while wearing, you know, head to toe UCLA gear. I mean, you're there. You're there in the parking lot, like <laughs> you and you. For one thing. You, yeah, me. with your beard in UCLA blue and gold, it's just you. It's just it's almost it's. Don't take this, but it's just kind of laughable. That's why I bought you that black UCLA sweatshirt. Yeah. That kind of did you. Just you in that blue. I don't know. You just it's like hipster as a sports fan. 
It just yeah, no, I, I I really need to be wearing more muted things. Like that's just kind of my 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 aura. Yeah, you look like I mean, when you walk into a brewery like in Portland, you look there are like nine of you in there yeah. when I go in there, and I say, "Hey, Dave." And, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, remember, yeah. remember the time Brandon and I were in Nashville and we went into that honky tonk <laughs> and Brandon, Brandon had had a few drinks, not too many. He comes running back to me. He's like, I just saw Dave's doppelganger. <laughs> and we went over there and it kind of looked like you, but it really didn't. And I just, I, Brandon was cracking me up. So I'm like, oh yeah, Brandon, dead ringer. So we took those photos with him and sent them to you. Yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> Well, he didn't look like you, did he? No, not a bit. No, not a bit. He had a beard. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's like um, I, I get that from a lot of people. It's basically anybody with a beard. They oh, but I should say somebody today did say I they I reminded them of Yukon Cornelius. Okay, that is your closest doppelganger. It is. It, it if is. If you were animated, you would be him. Well, and multiple people have settled on that over the years. So I think that one is truly that's that's like my spirit animal. More or less, <laughs> your spirit anime. Exactly. Kind of, there you yeah. go. Yeah. There we go. The see, how, see how cool I am. I yeah, know so, that. Okay. So so oh, let's, yeah. Shit. let's. Oh, stuff. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about this linebacker stuff because there's oh, also yeah. um, so there's obviously the what are we at now? It's uh, one, two, three. Uh, what are you doing? counting four. linebackers? I'm counting the linebackers, but also the guys who. You know, like a Jake Newman, if he grows a little bit, might be playing a little bit of nickel linebacker, box linebacker. You know what? It's a it's a really fluctuating number. I got to tell you, there's so many literally moving parts here because I'll tell you why. Like you said, Jake Newman could end up like that box linebacker. I think Joe, uh, John Don Vons is a linebacker. That's probably maybe he might start it. He might start out at safety. But I think they project him as a linebacker. But there are other guys, like, after watching some senior tape, J-Max Jacobson, who was like an outside linebacker, I think he's got his hand down. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he's gotten big. Um, uh, wow. They're just, let's see, Matthew Agude, that JC guy, he Mitchell, might be... Mitchell Agude. Mitchell, Mitchell. Mitchell, yeah. sorry, Matthew. He might be uh, uh, like a Dua Isabor. Yep. Probably about the same size. Um, I'm going to come out with a lot more stuff, content, stories, that's talking about this. How one tomorrow, actually, that kind of breaks it down. How UCLA isn't recruiting interior DL. Like, no <laughs> nose tackles. N- not really even a three technique, but a whole load of five technique, seven technique, Outside linebackers, middle linebackers that could be uh, end up safeties, safeties that could end up middle, and they're just gonna throw them out on the field and see where they all well, shake. Th- out. This is uh, so. This is something I'm interested in. Um, is given the way they've flipped things the last three games defensively, where they are playing a lot more, essentially what is a nickel defense, um, yeah. where they've got two true defensive linemen up there, and then. It's basically a two four five. Um, I wonder if they're maybe thinking of that more. I, this is you know kind of trying to fit the facts, fit the results to a theory or something. But 
I wonder if maybe they're thinking we might be more of a nickel defense going forward than we were anticipating. Um, I think I, I'm pretty sure it's a bit of that, but it's also that, and I differ with them on this, that they think they have no tackles. They have three, really, between Antonio Mafi, uh, Otito Agbanya, and Martin Andrus. And Martin will redshirt, and they'll all be back as juniors next year. And then Siale Liku has moved to offensive line. So next year there will not be a scholarship interior defensive lineman who is younger than a junior. And they will have skipped two classes, if you count Liku as an offensive line, of signing a true interior defensive lineman. Wow. So I think... But it is because they feel they have those three guys. Now, you and I have been doing this a long time. And we've got, we went through, you know, all those, uh, we went through many years of UCLA trying to uh, recruit uh, defensive line and defensive tackles and, and kind of failing, <laughs> not really finding anyone who has the grades who can play at this level. And they, they, I've done. I think they've done well recruiting it, obviously, but I think they're. A, it's a little bit of fool's gold for them, thinking that they can just go out and snap their fingers and get those kind of guys. They're very rare, and but not to get completely off track, but to reaffirm what you're saying, it's the change in the defense, but it's also because they think they have enough interior defensive linemen to serve them for a while, and they don't need them. Yeah. And that's why, like, I think the optimistic angle would be that maybe they're thinking of making it more of a permanent thing, and then they only want the the big guys in there for certain packages versus... Because, I mean, for the first year, more or less, Antonio Maffi was on the field for... Or somebody Antonio Maffi-like was on the field for, I don't <laughs> know, like 80% of snaps. Like, they weren't doing a whole lot of nickel last year. Antonio um, Maffi-like would be like last year, would be two players. Well, you know what I mean, like Ugbonia or, or whoever okay. it was. It was. I know, it was, I was, I was yeah. just yeah. making no, it. Look at you. you, you funny yeah. guy. You funny Thanks. guy. Thanks, um, Dave. But uh, we're just not seeing as much of that. And I wonder if maybe, I mean, I know Chip's doing his contrarian thing where he's like, well, no, that was just a matchup thing, as if Stanford, ASU, and Colorado all present the exact same matchup. Um, well, let's see this. When they play Utah. Yeah, that'll I mean, be a different deal. Um, yeah, no tackles will be featured there, won't they? They should be getting a lot more time. We'll I see. Think. I'm I'm really interested to see if because that would be the test case. Um, I mean, Utah's a little; it's somewhat smash mouth. They do spread it out a little bit. It's not like vintage Stanford or whatever. Um, so, I mean, he's basically said, "Well, it's because teams are spreading us out a little bit more that we have to, you know, use the smaller guys." Well, Utah, it's not like not like they're going like you know, a full, like, <laughs> four tight ends in there at every play. I mean, they're mostly in a two or three wide all the time. So I'm interested to see if, if that holds up or if they continue to go with this unit that essentially, you know, they're getting upfield a lot more. They've got Osa Digazua and Odua Isabor really trying to just, you know, shoot gaps and get into the backfield. And I wonder if, you know, they're going to continue to try to do that against because against Utah, it might make sense. Like, just hit a lot of run blitzes against Zach Moss and force Tyler Huntley to beat you. And Huntley might. He's really good. Um, but I, I wonder if they're really going to adjust away from this thing that's working. 
I, I still okay. There's still there is a distinction though between a nose tackle and a three technique. Also, yeah. So, I, I mean, first off, you need nose tackles. Uh, I mean, you still need them even if you're going to this nickel defense a lot. You still need that as a matchup. And you know, while Moffy hasn't played as much, he's still like last week. He still went in there on a lot of short yardage, and that's when UCLA's run defense just completely stuffed um, Colorado, too. Yeah. So you you need to be able to do that. Um, but secondly, there's a three technique. And if you all don't know what all this is, it just goes by gaps. It goes, It's just little numbers, literally, where they line up, and you start in the middle, and that's zero, and then you go out. So... Uh, you know, you still need three techniques. I, I, I really, truly believe that no matter, even if you are doing this nickel defense, you still need them also. I just don't think you can go to a nickel defense without really any truly interior defensive linemen. Yeah, we agree. Um, yeah. And one more thing. Oso Digazua is probably what they're trying to find. And Oso Digazua is kind of a freak. Because he's six two and a half, maybe he's two hundred and seventy five pounds, but he might be. I think he's the strongest guy on the team. Yeah. So he's playing above his weight, and he's and he's quick. So you can't just go out and find those guys that easily that are that strong. Also, but anyway, we're talking about recruiting. So yeah, um, they have signed. What's signed? They have gotten verbal commitments from just a flurry of guys and a lot of linebackers. Um, and, yeah, and outside yeah. of the linebackers, uh, four star the the biggest commitment from the group actually in terms of uh, star rating, uh, four star wide receiver Logan Loya from St. John yes. Bosco, keeping that pipeline alive along with Jonathan Vaughn's. Um, so Loya, that, that one's really satisfying too because. Um, when you go out and you see him in seven on seven during, uh, you really like him a lot. He just is a guy who consistently produces, makes the catches and traffic gets open. Like Greg Biggins always says, all the other defensive backs, when you ask him, that guy is just hard. <laughs> that guy's hard to defend. And, you know, it just did not see it happening with UCLA for a long time. Uh, first off, they were late to offer him a bit. Then it just didn't seem like they were winning him over that much. And it's very interesting while we're talking about Logan Loya. Did you read some of the comments from Greg Biggins on our forum about what Logan Loya's dad said? Oh my God, raving. But also very interesting, something you and I have talked about and a lot of people have talked about in regards to the program under Chip Kelly. They've got these amazing resources facilities technologies and it's like uh they're kind of just uh keeping it all secret <laughs> um i mean logan Loya's dad seemed stunned once he found out about the whole thing of what's going on inside was inside the wasserman center yeah you know they're cloning <laughs> they're they're cloning us so there's gonna be 15 logans out there it's gonna be really cool that's the way you do it. That's the way you keep them healthy. You just keep cloning them. Yeah. They're harvesting organs. But what there. do you do with the copy? Like, what do you do with the one that's used up? Like, that's a real philosophical question. Well, one goes to class. Yeah. One plays 
uh, goes to practice and play. I think two or three of them practice and play, right? Yeah. So you keep them all in good shape. I think that's the way it works. And I know that's what they're doing. People are asking me what the technology is, and I didn't want to give it up, but we're giving it up. It's cloning. Yeah, cloning. That's how you do it. So anyway, I mean, that's stunning if you really think about it. And I followed it up by saying there is kind of a little pall of secrecy over over the program. Chip Kelly is kind of an old-school guy, you know, in that guidebook on how to coach, you know, you, you default on to secrecy. When in doubt, be secretive. And that's kind of what, what he does. Um, it, it might be selectively smart of them to, you know, let out a few of the things that are going on in that program, um, you know, in terms of their technology. I, I know they're afraid that other programs might copy that, but I think you can selectively do it to where you can really help the your image in recruiting and you're not giving away everything. Right. Um, God, you know what? This is funny. We're tan- I'm tangenting because there's so much interesting stuff that have happened in the last few days. Um, so yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite. He was one of my favorite receivers. So for UCLA to get him like that, that was, I don't usually get attached to a guy and you know, because I've been doing this so long, but that was one guy I really wanted UCLA to get. I didn't think they were, and then they did. So that's that's a great thing. Um, I I like the other some of the other guys. Um, they I like Jonathan Vaughn's um, as as a linebacker. He is he is a hitter. He loves to hit people. He has great instincts that way. Um, so there, there's some talent that they're bringing in here, and there's one more boom. There's one more boom out there. Dave. Yeah, I've counted five, and I only see four commits in the last few days. Yeah, that that could. When did Greg say that could happen? Did he say? Um, I didn't actually see if he said. Okay, could be happening soon. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then there's Damian Sellers too, who. You know, a couple of crystal balls went up after he uh, officially visited. Yeah, certainly and, seems to be doing well with him. Uh, and then I kind of poached that little thing from Chris Cartman <laughs> over on the ASU side about how they think, you know, he's turned over a new leaf. He really came into his own the senior year and that UCLA probably is in the driver's seat. Um, that's the that's kind of guy... That's the kind of guy who might actually be able to come in and, and play as a true freshman. He's he's on that talent level of the kind of guys where we go out to, you know, practice for the first time and see him and go, wow, okay, he's he's really talented. Yeah, and and the the truth of the matter is, at least one and maybe two of these guys, if not more, um, in this linebacker group are probably gonna have to play early. Um, if not, one of them, one of them might end up having to start. Um, just given how many seniors are leaving the linebacker group uh, this year, how many starters are leaving the linebacker group this year. Um, so yeah. Definitely addressing a need. Yes. Whether they're ready to play next year will be a, will be a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe Caleb Johnson, that's the JC Texas transfer, would probably be possibly most ready. Yeah. I would think. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> 
And why is this, Dave? Why has this happened? I, 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 they win three games. Three. <laughs> three games. They're four and five, Dave. Four and five. They're seven and 14 in two years. And they jump from, I wrote it today and I don't have it in front of me. They jump from like 40th in the country to now, I think 48th in the country to 34th. Yeah. If you, and if you figure in Damian Sellers into that, they're 28th, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's starting to get to the point where, okay, they're 28th in the country. Now they're starting to recruit at a level that they'll bring in talent that you could see Chip Kelly coaching them and they could win at a high level. Yeah, That's I not, mean the, yeah. the the threshold for me is like get up to top twenty five level. I mean you don't need like if they don't want to like whatever, don't recruit at a top ten level, like where you're you know having to go through the circus recruitments and everything. But if you get it consistently at top twenty five, I mean I think he's going to win. Um, three games. That's all. It, it's so three, crazy. Three games in a row. That's all it took. And even like the posters are feeling it. Three weeks ago, the the feeling around the program wasn't good. And now you change that winning kids come on visits. They win the game in the locker room. They're shaking it all up. The, the soda and they're doing the eight clap. They're doing that Hills of Westwood sons of Westwood. Yeah. Yeah. One of those. And it creates a whole different 100% vibe that kids are jumping on board. To the point where, and this is going to be the main thing of the story I'm publishing tomorrow, they're running out of scholarships. Yeah, They've taken two decent-sized classes uh, the last two years. They want to save a few for the transfer portal. And they don't have that many left. They're at 18. There's another boom. They don't have that many. They literally do not have that many left if they still want to save some. But I break this down in a story that I just have to finish, <laughs> yeah. and it, hopefully. And it'll be tomorrow. But, yeah, they're running out of scholarships at the same time. It's just crazy what three wins can do. Yeah. It's, uh, it is pretty wild um, that things are suddenly going well. I'm not used to this. Was that a question mark? Yeah. Oh, not, that's, and that was the title of your story, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Something Looking like that. good? Something? I, 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 I remain deeply confused about everything that's happened in the last two and a half weeks. Just generally confused. Um, which is a good, good you know, status to be operating in. Um, yeah. All right. Should we switch gears over to basketball? Sh- sure. Okay. That was my transition. It's yeah. late, and those are my transitions these days. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, all right, so basketball uh, had its first game, uh, first real game of the season uh, yesterday, and it was ugly. It was not yes. the prettiest basketball game I think you or I have ever seen in life. Um, it kind of, honestly, it kind of went how I was. I, I think that might be why I was like less, I don't know. Uh, there seemed to be a level of, maybe disappointment on our board. I, I didn't really feel that. I mean, it kind of went the way I was thinking it was going to go. I thought it would be kind of a really ugly, weird game after watching that exhibition. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a more competent team than Stannis lost. That's coming in and uh, there's going to be some jitters because there were jitters in that exhibition. Um, and their offense clearly isn't installed completely at this point. And 
but I, I, there was a lot of positive, I thought. I mean, the effort was there. The buy-in seems to be there. And, um, you know, if, if you can get that this early and you can even in like kind of a, a adverse circumstances where they're down by six basically the entire game and they don't, they don't lose that buy-in, they don't start just like hunting shots and playing bad defense, but they continue to kind of work the work the processes that uh, Cronin is trying to preach. I thought it was an encouraging game, honestly, from 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 the things that Cronin's going to prioritize. I thought it was encouraging. Well, um, I looked at it just from two perspectives, really, from a defensive perspective and offensive. Um, defensively, I, I was a, a little bit impressed, I'd say, because I, I was just literally keeping track of Good defensive effort, good defensive trip, good uh, on-ball defense, good. Everything was good, and then Long Beach State would hit a 22-footer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there were some lapses. Like you said in your review, beginning of the second half, there were abs- they lost some energy and lost some focus, but it was not the case where, like before with the old program, where a trip you'd go, God dang, that was that was just bad defense, bad defense. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't doing that. There were times where I said, Wow, wow, that that was kind of impressive. Um, so I was encouraged a, a bit by the defense. Um, first off, and the thing is, I think they have so much more uh, improvement ahead of them oh, because they're still exactly. They're still learning about it, how to do it. So the well, fact that it wasn't even, a complete mess, I was encouraged. Well, and they're not even doing a lot of the what Cronin installs defensively yet. Like, uh, a, like if you go back and look at Cincinnati, they do a bunch of that. Just everybody's facing the ball almost at all times, and they weren't. They were running more or less pure man in that one, just with a lot of switching. Um, but there's going to be more to the defense, I think, just looking at what they did at Cincinnati versus what they've got now. Um, so th- I'm looking at that as like this is more or less the baseline. Um, so there's a lot of room to grow from there. Exactly. And then offense, yeah, that was a mess. Um, but uh, uh, first off, uh David Singleton is not himself. He's no. not close. He was he their best three point shooter last year, or one of the best By percentage far. wise. Yeah, he was yeah. like forty eight percent or forty seven percent. And I mean, his shot looks off. And he, he looks like he's probably carrying like five pounds extra too. Yeah, yeah. He looks stiffer. He doesn't look as athletic. He he never was. He he is a little stiff, like in his torso. But he was quicker with yeah. that, and he, he doesn't look like he's there yet. Uh, Jules Bernard, um, I think he must have shot. He wasn't horrible from three. He must have shot like, you know, I'm looking this up. He, he got better at the end of the year, I think. But He uh, shot 37% on the year from three. Yeah, That's not great, but that's not how he's – right now, as soon as he goes and shoots you, so he, that ball has no chance of going in. Uh, he looks like he doesn't know what to do on offense, given how he's probably played his entire life and what they're asking him to do now. And he's regressed to the big, 
the Jules Bernard of the beginning of last season. So we know he can be the end of last season. So individually, a lot of them are going to get better. Um, Like in the exhibition, I think you wrote it too. It looked like they were executing that same uh, set, but it wasn't setting up anyone for a shot. No one was looking for the shot. Someone has to be set up for a shot. Yeah, um, and, and and it seemed also like it was. There were oppor- there there were times where it did seem almost like it was like there was one where Prince Ali got it in what I will eternally think of as the Aaron Aflalo spot where he was in the corner like just off you know some quick little screen and he got the ball and then he didn't take the shot. It seemed like everyone was just kind of except for Jules Bernard on those like really awful drives that he eventually got pulled for. Everyone seemed scared of shooting. Like, nobody right. wanted to take – and, you know, that could be a good thing because – and not in the sense that it's good that nobody wants to take a shot, but in the sense that they already know that Cronin's going to be a guy who's going to prioritize good shot over bad shot. Um, they're all – you know, they're, they're, maybe they've just been coached up on their film from last year and told, hey – almost every shot you ever took was a bad shot. So <laughs> going, going clean, through those videos, yeah, bad shot. Could you bad guys shot, clean that up? Bad shot. And, bad shot. And honestly, the, the, the thing that happened to Bernard in this game, I thought was among the most encouraging things from the game, which is, look, Bernard's going to be better, I think, than that game. Um, and if he can get back to where he was at the end of last year. But the fact that him playing selfishly in the first half, he got pulled. And then he does it again to start the second half. And he sits for the rest of the game. I thought that was so great um, yeah. because it's not not killing the kid for it or whatever. But you've got to use the bench as a teaching tool, and that's an early sign that Cronin's actually going to do it. And then here's my other thing: um, there is one, the best scoring option on that team is Cody Riley in in the on the block. Get him the get him the ball. He needs yeah. more touches. They, they they fed him at the beginning of the game, and then it kind of disappeared again. They tried a little, but not enough. And it's also him. He's He's got to keep posting up and keep carving out space. I think if they go do that and keep emphasizing that inside out, I think that will change the offense a lot. And I think he has to step up and realize that that's who he is, um, and that creates a whole other dimension. Um, so there's a lot of growth here for the offense, obviously, because it wasn't pretty. The other thing too, is I, I understand the staff likes Alex Olazinski. I res- I, I mean, you got to respect the kid. He's fifth year senior. He's put in so much work. He's a very good student. He plays his ass off, but, and you know, he's looked good in practice ever. I mean, everyone who's ever watched practice said, wow, Alex Olazinski, but we've seen him in games. And I think while Jalen Hill is really inconsistent and can do things that are just going to make if Mick Cronin had hair, he would rip it out. But you got to go with those guys. You got to just take your lumps with Hill and Riley right now and just let them play through it. Let them know you have confidence. Maybe use Alex as a, uh, a tool to keep them honest. Bad shot. Okay, you're out for a while, and Alex, go in there, play hard. <laughs> yeah, but but don't you think you've got those guys for at least 
this year and next year, they're your front court. You bet you got to go with them and take your lumps. And right now, if they're not good, you're still in the honeymoon phase. No one's going to, but just let them, let them learn and develop now and make all their mistakes. And then hopefully it will pay off. I think spiritually I'm with you. I think the main, I don't, I don't really care um, these first five games. I think if you want to, because I'm just thinking about it from establishing the culture standpoint. If he want, if he wants to really reward Olasinski for his buy-in and practice and what he's doing, and show the other guys, hey, this is the kind of stuff that's going to get you on the floor, X, Y, and Z that he's doing in practice. I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I do think, yeah, I think there's an end stage to that. If it, at some point you just have to start playing the guys who are actually going to matter to your program going forward, um, and frankly. Olesinski is limited talent wise, but he's also a redshirt senior. Like it's, he's not going to be here in a year. Um, yeah. And so whatever you're building yeah. towards is going to include other guys, not him. Um, so use him, use him as your, you know, helping to establish the culture, but he can do that from the bench too. He can do that as a 10 minute a game guy. Um, so, so, so you're with me spiritually. Yeah. I mean, I just don't. So, so wait, I'm your spirit animal. More or less. I'm just, okay. I'm basically not thinking, I, I don't, I don't think it. I don't really care about these first five games in terms of like making sure the rotation is perfect yet. Um, it, it, if he wants to, and it seems like he is trying to prioritize. Well, I'm going to experiment with a lot of lineups, and I'm going to try to like, you know, instill some real discipline and way I want the game played. Um, I'm fine with it. Whatever, it's fine for for early November. Well um, then. Well then, get get ready for I think what's a loss against UCSB, <laughs> and that you know what I'm I'm factoring in I'm building that into my model. They're probably going to okay. lose one of these first five. Um, yeah, but regardless, um, I thought it was uh, I, I I kind of agree with everything you said. Um, defensively, a lot encouraging. Offensively, a big woof. Um, but even with the offense, you can. St- you can squint and see something that could build by the end of the year. Like if Singleton gets his legs back a little bit, Tiger Campbell looks better shooting the ball than I was anticipating. Um, yeah, me too. Yep. So you got him and he can do a lot. I mean, he's still a freshman. He's going to make mistakes. I mean, four turnovers is not something that Cronin's going to be too happy about. Um, but uh, you get a game with, if you get, those three um, Singleton Campbell and a, a slimmed down and, you know, fully healthy Singleton, Campbell, Riley, and then Chris Smith is kind of your slasher guy. You could, I could talk myself into that. You know, if they can really work an inside-out game um, with Riley, um, there's there's room for an offense there, a half-court offense that really works. But I do think, uh, you know, it's it's counterintuitive compared to what Cronin's done in the past. But I do think they might need to get up and down a little bit faster. Um, I think they absolutely need to get as many baskets as they can in transition. Yeah. They need to start taking those turnovers, any ones that they create and just force and fast break buckets because they're going to really struggle to score out of the half court until everything kind of gets in order where, you know, Singleton is, is able to kind of stretch the defense a little bit with his shooting. Um, and they really developed some consistency with Riley on the low block. Right. So, But, but it's going to be, uh, you know, this is going to be very fun to watch, I think. I, I, I was more interested in that game last night <laughs> than in any in, in game 
basketball UCLA basketball game in a long time. No, just, and, and I'm looking yeah. ahead at the schedule and like I'm gonna you know put put all my cards out there. A lot of games that you were the one writing about last year, I was like, ah, oh, I'll, I'll set that one out. But now I'm looking at it and I'm like, I want to watch each and every one of these games, like, and yeah. watch them like really closely. Um, and that's yeah. you know just, I mean, frankly, the, the tail end of the Alford era, it was a chore. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm that's really a nice forward. way of putting it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to the to the season. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about potential outcomes for the football team, um, because uh, did you know, Tracy? Uh, yes, Dave. UCLA um, is going to go to the Rose Bowl this year and win it. I, you know, I did know that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because because we recorded this a year ago, and yeah, that's exactly yeah, we, were, we were pretty stupid. Back mm-hmm. then, but, very yeah. very dumb. Um, yeah. No, I think I think the odds right now would probably be something like one in a thousand, which is that's a Better. chance. <laughs> yeah, that's a chance. Um, but yeah, UCLA is still alive uh, for the Pac-12 South, um, and, and not even just alive, but uh, sorry, Chip, uh, controlling their own destiny. Um, so if you know, with that momentum, with with all that momentum, with all that M word, M word yep. fueling them. Uh, to their control of their own destiny um, with Utah, USC, California remaining. And then obviously the, uh, the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon and then the uh, Rose Bowl <laughs> against like Iowa or whatever. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. Uh, 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 let's talk a little bit more realistic. Let's okay. just. Sure, sure, sure. So. So uh, playoff. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. Oh, right, 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 um, right, right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Bowl games. Yes. Uh, UCLA is four and two in conference. Correct. Uh, let's just say realistically, you know, I'm not, I'm not a coach, so I don't have to go game by game. Um, I love those arguments on the, on the forums when people get into those arguments. Um, let's say they win two and lose one. So they're, that's what they need to do to get bowl eligible anyway. So, and we're talking about bulls. So yeah. UCLA is six and three in conference. Um, the way the bowl bids go is uh, <laughs> you, they don't go by overall record. Um, they might take it into consideration when they're trying to decide between a couple, but there, there isn't a set rule when it comes to overall record. It goes purely by conference record. Yeah. If UCLA is 6-3, and three, they could very well end up having the third best conference record behind Oregon and Utah because they'd have to beat SC. Um, and if SC loses Arizona state, uh, I, some ifs, but if you were looking at the conference right now, there, there, there aren't a lot of other, you know, Oregon state has three wins. I don't, I don't think they're going to get to six. Stanford has three wins. Um, and USC has four, and then everyone else has two or one. Mm-hmm. So UCLA has a very good chance of being the team with the third best conference record. If that's the case, and again, realistically, let's say, well, it's hard to pick the bowl game, but UCLA very well could do Alamo Bowl or Holiday Bowl or Red Box Bowl. If you don't know what the Red Box Bowl is, that's the one that's in Santa Clara. 
I think it used to be the chicken bowl. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, the thing I would say is um, there's a very, very good chance that um, if that scenario plays out, that means Utah likely doesn't lose um, again. And Oregon is almost certainly not going to lose again. Um, So it sets up a matchup for them in the Pac-12 championship game where the winner, I would say, right now, looking at everything and the remaining schedules for all the potential playoff teams, the winner of that game is probably going to go to the playoff right now. Um, you think so? Really? Yeah. I mean, looking at where they're positioned, um, because a lot of these teams are going to beat up on each other. Like the SEC teams. So Bama is favored against LSU this weekend. Um, so they'll probably beat LSU. Um, LSU will be a one loss. And then Bama is also probably going to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. Um, and that'll put Georgia with two losses. Um, and so it's it's hard for me to see... Um, them putting in an LSU team that's at one loss that didn't even win its own division over a Pac-12 winner like Oregon that's only losses to a very good SEC team in Auburn, or Utah for that matter. Um, So I I think this would be a year where they would jump, obviously Georgia, who's ahead of them right now, but also um, LSU. And I think it was a really good sign that Oklahoma was down as far as they were. Wow. Okay, interesting. So that moves up UCLA even more. Yeah. <laughs> they go to the college football playoffs, if it's Oregon or Utah. Whoever isn't the one out of that will go – I mean, then they go to uh, a New Year's Day Bowl, right? Yeah. Okay. So then the third – so now UCLA is there. And, I mean, the Alamo Bowl could, when it comes to bowl selection, you can reach down for a team that has, that is just one, uh, one game behind the team you're, right. that's in line. So they could, you know, the Alamo Bowl might pick someone else. But, I mean, aren't these bowls all about just who the, the biggest market on television? They don't really care about who's showing up anymore. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a combination of factors, and it depends on the bowl. I mean, I know the Sun Bowl likes to not they they prioritize TV to an extent, but it's also like who brings a fun amount of you know interesting stuff. Who brings stuff. the fun? It, Sun Bowl's kind of cool that way, um, but the 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 Alamo Bowl uh, it's probably TV deal, I would guess mostly. Wow. So Alamo Bowl. And then, I mean, if that were the case, the scenario of what you're saying, UCLA is not falling further. So the Alamo Bowl's two, then the Holiday Bowl and the Red Box Bowl. That's yep. the first. Those are the top four. Um, you know, of course, the Rose Bowl. Um, wait, yeah. Oh, so wait. Figure this out with me because you're so good at this. Sure. Oregon or Utah goes to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the, then the loser probably goes to the Rose Bowl. Goes to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So then there's the Alamo Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, Red Box Bowl. UCLA is not falling to the Las Vegas Bowl, which is currently sixth in the pecking order. It depends. I think, I think it changes in a year, right? Doesn't it? I think uh, the Holiday Bowl moves up to like two or three. Or well, something. Vegas will move up too. Um, but, uh, oh, that's what I meant, Vegas Bowl. Sorry. Yeah, Vegas Bowl yeah. moves up. Um, yeah. Well, there's a couple things that could throw some wrinkles. Um, Oregon State has 
a chance actually to beat Washington this weekend um, and set up to be more or less equal to UCLA in terms of conference record at some point. Um, I think the only sure loss remaining is uh, Oregon. Um, Washington, if they That's don't... That's a big if, though, that what you just said. Yeah, I, I think they're a lot better than uh, odds makers have, Matt. But yeah, uh, it is a big if. But if Oregon State doesn't knock off Washington this weekend, Washington could probably win out. And then they'll be 5-4, and four, one down from, you know, in that eligibility range uh, to be picked. Yeah. Um, USC will probably be in that eligibility range to be picked. We'll see how, you know, how much they tank at the end of the year, but I still think they'll probably finish 5-4. and four. Um, So... It just depends. So, so let's say UCLA six and three. Let's just do that. Six and three. Washington's five and four. SC's five and four. So then, Alamo Bowl. You're up. I think they'd probably. Pick- I think they'd. I, I don't know when. When did when did Washington last play in the Alamo? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I know that. Yeah, you where's don't, where's you Brand, don't, Where's Brandon when we need you, him? You know he's just screaming it right now. Um, right now he's listening to this and yelling at us because I, I think they would probably want to take Washington. I don't think they've played in it in a while. Um, okay. So then you're looking at um, Holiday and Redbox, and those are the ones that I think would just split USC and UCLA. You know, get the San Diego money and the you know the San Diego alumni for one, and the you know Bay Area alumni for the other. Just as I mean, uh, just as long as they don't go to the Sun Bowl. I, I mean, you you seem to kind of like it a little, but I loved the Sun Bowl. I, I'd rather go to San Diego and Santa Clara or Las Vegas. I get it. Than El El Paso. Yeah, but the the people are so hospitable, Tracy. Wow, Washington, Washington, um, Washington, two thousand really two thousand eleven. Yeah, i and UCLA was in the Alamo Bowl in 2014. Whoa, you know what that score was? And they played Baylor. Do you remember that game? Washington Baylor? Yeah. No. 67 to 56, they lost. Wow. <laughs> wow. Ah, that's fun. Yeah, that was uh that was moving into peak Art Bryles. Yeah, when they used to like average 57 points yeah. a game. Yeah. Um so this is a realistic scenario, very much. Um, just because there was why. What's making me talk about this is someone on the board was, and I, I understand how perfect this might be. That if UCLA actually played in the Las Vegas Bowl, it's the same day as the UCLA basketball team playing North Carolina at um, T-Mobile. That so great. Yeah, the basketball games at twelve o'clock. I, the Las Vegas Bowl obviously would be at night. So it would be kind of fun, but I don't. I, it's hard to see that scenario because happen. I think they'd have to be a five and four team to get the Las Vegas Bowl. But if they're a five and four team in conference, that means they're not bowl eligible because they went exactly. zero for three in, conf- in non conference play. The only way they're bowl eligible is if they're six and three, which is pretty funny uh, when you consider that Jim Mora never did better than six and three in conference. <laughs> That's what happens when you get a coach, Dave, who. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? Why don't you finish off that sentence? Uh, does that have something to do with the preseason, Tracy? Yes, it does. Yeah, yes. yeah. That only uses the preseason as an experiment for the conference. Oh man! When this turns out successful, <laughs> I'm I'm still going to be bitching that this didn't need to be this way. 
Like I'm gonna be that person so wait, who's just like off, I wanna, Chip Kelly wins little... like three titles in a row, and I'm just gonna be sitting there like, you know, this could have started earlier. I'm just saying. You said when. You didn't say if. You said when. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. That's really significant. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, just. You, you know. don't want to talk about this because you are now, you you are not a dishonest person, and you don't want to be dishonest, but you want to just omit it. Yeah. You think he's going to be successful now. Uh, it's it's so hard because I'm not so the thing is eye test wise like in the micro yeah, yeah. they look like they it's not even that they look like oh they they figured some things out. They look like a good damn team now. Like they don't look like a they don't look like somebody who just lost who just went 1 and 5. They look like a good team, like a good football team. Watching a lot of college football, they look like one of the better teams I'm watching right now. And that's I don't. I, I don't know what to do with that because we have. You don't. Same, you don't have a little smile on your face when you're saying that. You're no, no, saying no, no, that. No, no, no. Frustration. I, if it was the first year, I'd be like, "Oh my god, this is great." But the thing yeah. is, we saw this last year, and they did that at the end of the year. And I think we had the same conversation where we're like, "Oh, they look like a good damn team now." Um, and then they they started off this year uh, just doing the you know their experimental nonsense crap and um, sucking really hard for six games. Is that just going to be the cycle every year? We probably need to have – we can't do it now because we're almost an hour into this. But we need to have a broadcast purely dedicated to why that happened. Because it's not – you can't attribute it to just one ex, you know, single explanation. There were so many contributing factors but, to uh, it. But I would say a huge one this year was the stupid defense they were running. Absolutely, think- but also two – all three of those teams that they played in non-conference are all top 20 teams now? Yeah. Yeah. But even if you look at that, I mean, San Diego State, they're, they're I mean, but they've, they've played nobody. I mean, San Diego State, if you look at any advanced analytics system, it would be the worst team in the Pac-12 this year, or nearly. Um, so, I, I, don't, I don't fully buy that one. I mean, a UCLA... Uh, I'm team, just saying it's a contribute. Now, don't... Get hung up that I'm saying that's the only reason. I'm saying it's a contributing factor. Sure, that the sure, sure, sure. Non-conference yeah. schedule. It wasn't Kent State. No, no, but like that's that's just. I mean, that's baked into UCLA, though. I mean, next year's non-conference schedule is the rarity of rarities for UCLA. It's always going to be pretty right. hard. So um, that's a factor. I think what you're saying is is a factor that. Uh, why did he do some of the things he did in those games? It didn't seem like the priority was on winning, but it was a, the priority was experimenting with some stuff. Um, but there's so many things. The offensive line. I mean, you threw you threw out some true freshmen who aren't going to be very good when they first start playing. They're they're uh, Josh Kelly right now is not. He didn't play. And then when he played in those first couple, he was not Joshua Kelly. Now yeah. he is. Yeah. There's so many things that 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 go into it. Um, and they did discover, hey, maybe we shouldn't. We should play a defense that's quicker and more athletic, and maybe attack a little more. Well, the, but what? but like I I, I don't want to even. I, the thing is, that I don't think that's fourth on the list. Like I think that is. The absolute number one reason this resurgence has happened. The the offense was making strides game after game after game 
the whole year. I mean, they were getting a little bit better and then a little bit better and a little bit better. Um, but they were still losing games. They were still one and five at the end of six. And then they go into Stanford and they completely changed their defense. Whatever Chip Kelly wants to say, that's, it's not true. No, but, they but completely you know changed what? their no, defense. He's like testifying in, in court because he's saying they're all the same calls. Yeah. yeah, they're all the same calls. It's just you're making some more often and the other ones less often. They, Of course, they're all the same calls. You didn't change the calls. You just – they're the same plays, the same fronts. You're just using certain ones more, and they were in your playbook. Yeah, so, it's, it's all our I same, it's all our same nickel calls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, exactly, and it's just – I mean, whatever. I mean, and I don't – He's going to parse questions until he, you know, retires. So it's fine. But um, the 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 number one thing for me is the defense changed, and the defense changing made it so that this offensive resurgence um, looks even a little bit better. But the reason they beat Stanford, ASU, and Colorado was because they pretty much shut them down defensively. Like they, yeah. neither none of those teams played as well as their offense um, coming in would have indicated. So. I, that's the difference, and um, I, there's, I, I don't think there's a valid explanation for why they were doing anything different to start the year. Um, but let's say they had, had this defense. Do they beat Cincinnati? Cincinnati, um, I don't think so. Cincinnati, if you look at that game, um, it ended up close-ish. Like, I think it was whatever it was, 10-point game, 24-14, yeah. 27-14, yep. something like that. Um, whatever it was, uh, it should have been like a – a four touchdown loss. Um, right. They were completely handled, but San Diego state, that should have been a win. Uh, Arizona, that should have been a win. And you could talk me into Oregon state if they were actually running a credible defense. Um, and I know they lost that one by 17, but it didn't really feel that way. Um, I would, I'd be willing to even concede because of the other factors. I agree. The number one factor is defense, but because of the other factors, uh, that things happened that would have happened except for that Arizona game. Yeah. Yeah. That was ridiculous. It was 20 to 17, right? Yeah. 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 And against a, a true freshman quarterback. And um, even just a little bit better, not even the defense, we've, just a little bit better defense and they win that game. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, and that one win changes that really they're five and four, they're five and one in conference. I know. And they're going to go and it's all different. Everything's yeah different yeah but I mean really legitimately I think they would have beaten San Diego State too so it would have been I mean it whatever it's not worth like going too deep on it but they they could have they could be better right now like they could have a much better record and be totally alive for a lot of cool stuff um, okay since we might as well finish this off then so there were a lot of factors but the main factor was defense so like I wrote after the game last week um you know we're not that smart no we're just not that smart we're we're internet slappies we've been doing this a long time but we're we're have you ever coached football dave no no i haven't either so now there's a couple elements we've been saying that they should play this type of defense for a while is it the fact that it's just some well, you were. You know, I, I, I was kind of I on board was, with the yeah. idea that they didn't have the personnel to do this. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to lump you in there, but no, you're no. just too honest. You're too honest again. Um, so 
Is it just that we can step away? Well, I mean, we're fairly smart guys. So we're, you know, we're not that smart. But can we just step away and observe and, and be able to be right in our observation? Or well, the, 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 the simple thing was, and, and this is the part I don't, this is the part where like it's, it's not like our diagnosis of what needs to happen. It's the simple diagnosis of what is happening. If you've got the worst defense in the country, try something else. And yeah. that's basically what they had. They had the worst pass defense in the country in those like in that last like three games of the one and five, they were horrendous. Yeah. Do something different. I don't care what it is. Do something different. Um yeah. and they did. And the something different turned out to be, you know, <laughs> run a really aggressive defense that's gonna try a bunch of different new stuff. And that that was the 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 thing that worked. But I, so I, I don't it, know how you could watch how bad they were defensively last year and then come into this year and just play an even more passive version of that bad defense. Right. But as you said, and I'm not trying to say anything against you because, but you thought that version might have was, might be the best way to go given the talent. So well, maybe no, so they, I, I thought too. it was, I thought they were, I, I think it was, I thought they were broken in what they were trying to do um, because they were doing, they were still like, running a shocking number of blitzes, but they were playing super passively while they were doing it. And so right. it left them with this really bad, like trying to do both worlds thing um, where they were just playing so far off on the outside that they would just be, okay, well, we're going to take a 12 yard pass on third and 10 here again and again and again. Um, and it just seemed like they were not marrying their coverages to what they were actually trying to do. Um, with their blitz packages or whatever, um, I was uh, I was thinking you know play kind of that aggressive type of bend it but don't break that Washington typically does, which is you are pushing your corners up quite a bit. Um, you're not blitzing a ton, but you're playing pretty aggressive and trying to keep you know keep them to having get to get quick passes, quick passes, quick passes against you. So we're kind of honing this down so the question is why does why did it take because uh, they're watching clips of this game all day long they're breaking down every last thing they see their players in practice they're in meeting rooms and i i my question is is are they too close or do you or do you think they're just i don't even mean them but anyone any coaching staff that really makes a, a bad judgment. Are they, do you think they can be too close to it? I mean, I, I'm sure it's true that they can. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, the, the self-evaluation is like a critical piece of the whole thing. Um, and you can look at the offense from the beginning of the year and you can say, okay, we're making incremental progress every game. Let's stick with what we're doing. And, you know, maybe hone in on a few things we're doing. So I don't really have too many complaints with how the offense has progressed this year because it looks like, you know, they were making progress throughout the year. What I, In macro sense, I would prefer that they're running, you know, a simple spread offense like the blur because that thing's, you know, whatever. That's a, that's a story for many days we've already talked about. Um, but uh, defensively, how do you look at that thing that's not making any progress from the beginning of the year and it's back getting worse and just keep doing it? Like, I mean, well, it's, it's, okay. it's just, that's like not too close to it. That's just, you're not doing your job if you're okay. not self-evaluating. Well, actually, I, I, I'm going to disagree a little. 
in my experience of dealing with coaches, their mantra is just keep doing what we're doing. Keep swimming, keep swimming. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that's doing, and, I'm saying that's doing their job poorly because right, okay, but got, they you've got to self evaluate. I mean, right, but I'm going to give them some credit because most coaching staffs most of the time do their jobs poorly and just keep doing the same thing. And they're convinced that if they keep doing the same thing, we will get better. We're going to keep getting them technically better. They'll know their assignments better. And if we do that as a group, we'll make less mistakes and we will be better. That is what, I mean, the classic to me is always Carl Durrell with his West Coast offense. How many times did we ever ask him or did he talk about, you know, would, would you ever think about changing that offense? And he said, no. And every week, we just need to keep getting better. Nose in the grind zone, get better. Never said it. And then it was it was the last game. And he wasn't fired yet, but everyone knew he was. And he, and he actually said, I wasn't at the interview. I read it. I remember reading it. I wasn't there. And he said, oh, I, I'd be willing to change my offense. <laughs> yeah. So coaches don't do that. And they did it. So I'm going to give them credit just – I know the bar's low, but I'm giving them credit for actually changing. Yeah, the thing is, the, the thing that they had a full year of data of the defense being bad last year. Um, I, I, whatever, it's fine. It's water under the bridge now, assuming they don't go back to the same crap next year or in this next game against Utah. Um, so, but that's, I, I think that's when I'm talking about like the, the, potential you know ongoing frustration is it just didn't it didn't need to be this way it really didn't i mean i know people are thinking it's all part of the process but it didn't need to be this way so but you're uh, you're attributing it to defense and now you're saying when you're saying that it didn't need to be this way i think you're implying from what you've said before is that Chip Kelly didn't necessarily do a lot of the things he could have done to really emphasize winning some of those early games. But if you're saying it is the defense, that's not necessarily true then, is it? I don't know what you just said to me. Yeah, it was, it was so brilliant. (laughs) I'm saying that if you're attributing it to them adjusting their defense, is it really true that it didn't have to be this way? What do you, uh, no, because they could have gone to it earlier. I guess. Okay. Like adjusting, think, adjusting 18 games into your tenure that, hey, maybe the defense we've been running for 18 games where we've gone, whatever it was at that point, 4 and uh, 14, maybe this isn't working too well. Right. Um, I'm just saying when you say that, you're implying that there are things that they know they could have done that they didn't rather than realizing what they should be doing. Yeah, like they, I, I'm saying it shouldn't have taken 18 games. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's what I'm saying. But uh, that's just, I mean, that's micro with the defense. I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, the recruiting, the the offense they're running is good now, um, but it's taken it's taken half a season each year for it to become good. Is that going to be a continuing, ongoing issue? Like, are they going to start next year um, also completely floundering because they're installing a bunch of new stuff. Um, there's always going to be youth on the team. I mean, there's always going to be some freshmen playing. So is it going to be this long adjustment period every time? Or 
was it dependent on the quarterback being only a sophomore who played half the season last year? Okay, um, I have a I have a theory. Sure. Here, here's my theory. Uh, new coaches, when they get hired at a program, uh, and it's predominantly in football because you have to hire such a big staff. New coaches that aren't coming from some place where they were just most immediately very successful. Those coaches usually bring the majority of their staff with them, right? Mm-hmm. So there is some, uh, you know, they got to get acclimated a bit, but they've got a winning formula. They got it. They know what they're doing. It, it won there. It won at the other spot. We've got it down. Here we go. We're going to plug these guys in. There's going to be a couple of hiccups, a bunch of hiccups, because a lot of these guys don't know it. But we've got a winning formula. When you have a coach who hasn't been immediately successful or hasn't coached most recently, it take, it's going to take them a while. It's going to take him a while to get his staff up to speed. It's going to take him – I'm not making excuses. I'm saying this is why – a lot of times why athletic departments shouldn't should hire someone who's been immediately successful recently. Yeah, and if if from this point on the program is on solid footing and they, you know, win their 8 9 games next year or whatever it's going to end up being, um then yeah, I totally buy that explanation. But we've now been through two seasons where we've got more or less the same cycle has happened. Um, yeah. they go 6 games of and then 6 games of wow, this is pretty good. Um and I'm assuming the next three games are going to be, wow, this is pretty good. Um, that was great. Your voice completely changed when you did both sides of that. I know. Um, yeah. And then next, good. but like next year, <laughs> I know <laughs> next year, it's just, I'm, I'm, if, I'm if it does it again, if it does it again, we're out. Well, we're, no, you just, and I, I, we're walking Dave, we're but this walking. Is, but this is why I'm like, not like I'm, I'm so close to being like fully on board, but like the only thing in the back of my mind is, we every bit of this happened last year like every bit of this so So you are you're kind of charlie brown right now and and thinking about whether you want to put that ball down again no exactly and so i don't like josh kelly could run for 400 yards against usc this year she's putting the ball down sorry yeah i had to get this lucy lucy yeah um so anyway i mean it's just that's that's my own neuroses about the whole thing but like that's that's probably going to prevent me from doing what i did this year in the season preview because i had bought in i mean if you remember me in the preseason writing the season preview and you know what i'm not making excuses for us but from what we saw in those games at the end of the year that was a natural thing to assume they had 17 returning starters you'd think that they would relatively pick up where they left off yeah and obviously there were some injuries and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I wasn't expecting the massive drop-off that there was. I mean, for six games, this was like the worst UCLA team in like a half a century. So If they lose to New Mexico State. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, they, can't, they, they probably season. can't lose to New Mexico State. But they could 100% lose at Bad Hawaii Ohio. and at San Diego State. Yep. So yeah. that's going to be, I mean, I'm not going to be able, I'm, I'll probably like end up picking like six and six or seven and five next year. Cause I'm and just I'll gonna, tell you why. I'll tell you why. No Joshua Kelly. And that's going to be a big deal because you could also yep. say that the offensive execution has basically improved as he's just gotten a little bit healthier every game. Yep. So. Yep. He is a difference maker. Um, yeah. And I like Demetric Felton, but I, I don't think he can do what Joshua Kelly does, even in another year when he's even more comfortable. I don't think they probably have a running back on the on the roster who can do that. That's why 
That's why they're out there right now trying to find someone. Yeah. 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 Okay, we've talked way too much. We've talked a lot for uh, a late night <sighs> broadcast. Yeah. An early that morning broadcast, though. I mean. Early morning. morning. Yeah. yeah, I got to go have some breakfast. Yeah, yeah, as we all do. All right, yeah, it was good. That was fun. Um, enjoyed talking good old football and basketball. <laughs> all right. Um, you got anything else? Nothing else? No. You're good? No. Right. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. So is that, that us w- doing a podcast every week? That was not Albert Einstein who said that. Who was it? Uh, it's attributed to some book like in 1980, actually some detective book, but they actually cited someone. It's not Albert Einstein. Yeah. There's a cottage industry of people attributing quotes to him and Benjamin Franklin. And I think Abraham Lincoln, that's none of them. Uh, Mark Twain. It's almost everything. It's almost invariably some like self-help guru from the 1970s. (laughs) Poor guy. That's his only claim to fame. And they're giving it to friggin' Mark Twain. Like he needs more. I know. Sam okay, Clemens. let's get All out right. of here. Everyone's, right. uh, everyone's really <laughs> lost their patience with us. Yeah. All right, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Brand Report Online, and we'll talk to you again next time. Thank you, everyone.